Hey there, thanks for joining us for today's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you're here. You're about to hear an incredible message from our pastor, Terry Haight. But before we get started, we'd like you to consider partnering with us. Our heart is to spread Jesus' message of hope to the world. If you'd like to sow into that mission, please visit hermesonassembly.com and click the Give button. Thank you so much for your generosity. Now enjoy this message. This is the first, and I'm excited about this particular message. This is the first of three parts. Um, Today is going to be called Joy to the World. And then we have a message next Sunday, and then we have Christmas Eve service Sunday where, as you've heard the announcements, we're gonna, it's the third part and final part of, that, of this series, Oh, What Fun. But today I want to talk about joy to the world. So Luke chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. Luke chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. Whether it's on your app or whether it's on your physical Bible, say amen when you find it. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 9, it says, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings, or good news, of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the town or in the city of David a Savior, who is Jesus Christ the Lord. So this morning, I want to speak to you regarding joy. Can you pray with me for just a moment? Lord, I pray this morning as we get into this word that, God, that joy would begin to erupt in every one of our hearts. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if we have no strength, it's because we have no joy. I pray today, dear God, that you would restore joy in everyone's heart today. In Jesus' name we pray, and we give you praise for it. Amen. Amen. I want to ask you the question, what brings you joy? Maybe it's family. Maybe it's food. (laughs) For you foodies. Maybe it's money, income. Maybe Maybe it's receiving gifts. Maybe it's buying gifts. For some of you, joy might be sleep. Uh, Just to have sleep bring you joy. Um... Uh, when it comes to the word today, I want to I talk about uh, joy in respect to uh, joy to the world. Um, you know, I remember as a kid growing up uh, in my house back in D.C., uh, I was always am- talking about Christmas itself. I was always amazed by, you know, the contrast between Christmas Eve. We're, we're, a, we're a family that we do Christmas on Christmas Day. And then you have your people who do Christmas on Christmas Eve, uh, Sherry's side of the family, they're a Christmas Eve family. They did Christmas gifts at night. We do it truly on the day that you should do it on, Christmas Day. And so, <laughs> and so uh, um, but I was always amazed by the contrast between Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. We were a family of seven, and, and, uh, and, and generally, probably 90% of the gifts were clothing, uh, underwear, undershirts, socks, in fact, to this day, my mother still sends me underclothes for Christmas. I'm not, no, no joke, my wife can confirm it. Uh, I'm, I'm 48 years old and I'm still getting underwear for Christmas from my mom. And so, uh, and so you know, <laughs> that brings her great joy 
to know that her son is well-dressed and prepared in case of an emergency, you know? And, um, and so uh, there are many things that, you, that, that bring you joy in your life, whether it's giving or receiving. But I want to talk about the biblical definition of joy, and this is what excites me. Because how many of you know joy, happiness is based on circumstance? Happiness can go up and down depending on how, what side of the bed you wake up on or what goes on at work when you show up that morning or how your day goes. Whereas joy is a constant, ever-growing, ever-increasing strength that you have in Jesus Christ. Amen? That's why I prayed it earlier. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's what the psalmist David would say. And so if you, if you have no strength, or if you have no joy, let me say it that way, if you're not experiencing joy, it's because you don't have strength. Because that joy is the source of our strength. God gives it to us. And so I, I began looking up what is the biblical definition of joy. It is happiness over an unanticipated or present good. Happiness over an unanticipated or present good. It's really for both present and future. It, it could be something going on right now. It, it, it's, it's something, let me say it this way, it's not something going on, but it's something right now as well as something in the future. Um, joy is to rest in the goodness of God. If you recall in the, in, the, in the book of Exodus when Moses went to the mountain and uh, he, uh, it, was at a, it was a flashpoint in Israel's history, um, they had rebelled against God. They were worshiping and dancing around the golden calf and, and, and Moses came off the mountain and saw it and was enraged. And the word says he broke up the Ten Commandments and he ground up the, the, the golden calf and, and made them drink it and said, this is your punishment. This, is, this, is, this was wrong. Uh, and so God said, stand back to, Mo he said to Moses, stand back and I will eliminate them. I will wipe them off the face of the earth and start again with you. And it was at this critical moment that Moses, he, God being our father, Moses experienced a father's heart. And he said, if you take their name out of the book, take my name out as well. And he stood in the gap for Israel we need people who will stand in the gap for people, amen? We need people who will stand the gap for their family, for their loved ones, for their workplace. Think about that. Think about how you, God has uniquely placed each one of you to stand in the gap for those who are on your job or those in your neighborhood. And you do it all because of the, like Jesus said the, in Colossians, the joy set before him. There is joy set before us. And so when Moses had that encounter with God, he said, Lord, show me your presence. Show me your person. I want to see you. And the first thing that God said to Moses was, Moses, I will cause all my goodness to pass before you. In other words, before you see anything else, before you witness anything else, I'm going to cause my goodness to pass before you. Goodness is the foundation or not just any goodness, but God's goodness is the foundation for joy. And so joy, my first point is this, joy comes from our Savior, not our circumstances. Joy comes from our Savior, not our circumstances. It is defined as a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. There's something that, you're, that you, it also is a description of delight, 
a source or cause of delight, causing you to rejoice. It is something that causes you great delight. And this something is the goodness of God. And because God is good and because goodness comes from him, it does not change. He is the same yesterday. He's the same today. He's the same forever. He will always be good. Maybe you've heard me say this before. You heard my wife say this. God is in a good mood today. Tomorrow he will also be in a good mood. Next Sunday when you come, he will still be in a good mood. Uh, Much of the world thinks that God's always in a bad mood. That, That he's just looking for some heads to thump and some ears to flick and some, you know, to tell you why you messed up again. But in all reality, Paul said, it's the goodness of God that leads me to change. It's the goodness of God that causes me to repent. It's the goodness of God that says, hey, I want to turn around and go God's direction, not my own direction. And so when we talk about goodness, or when we talk about goodness, it's the source of our joy. And our joy is in our Savior, not our circumstances. Secondly, God created you to experience joy. Yes? God wired you for joy. God created you for joy. He created you for abundant life. John 10.10 says, the enemy comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And part of that abundant life is the joy of the Lord. He's wired you for that. He's created you for that. You are, that, that is his expectation, uh, is that joy. Unexpected benefits from God are expressed in terms of common experiences. The Psalms, I'm going to read several Psalm, Psalm, Psalm references here. The Psalms express the joyous mood of believers who have had an encounter with God. Amen? Every time you have an encounter with God, the outcome of it is going to be joy. Psalm 1611 says, you show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalms 30, verse 5, for his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Psalms 32, 11, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy. All you upright in heart. That's why I love worship. It gives us the opportunity to shout for joy. Amen? Can someone give them a shout for joy today? Come on. Let's give them a real shout for joy. Joy comes in the morning. It gives us a reason to shout. You may say, oh, pastor, that's just not who I am. I've seen you watch football on TV. I know better than that. I've seen you at games and rallies and football games and, and, uh, and, and playing, playing games here at the church even. I know that you got it in you to shout for joy. Amen? Psalms 33.3, sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Amen? Psalms 35.9, and my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. Psalms 35, 27, let them shout for joy and be glad, for, uh, for, for glad. Who favor my righteous cause? And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant? We are built for joy. Psalms 43, 4, then I will go to the altar of God, 
to God my exceeding joy, and the harp I will praise you, O God, my God. Do you realize that heaven is going to be a fairly noisy place? Not in the sense of, oh, that's a horrible sound, but there is going to be a constant stream of rejoicing in heaven. A con- as, as, we, as we have revelations of the good, believe me, right now we're getting revelations of his goodness. When we see bodies healed of disease, when we see financial breakthrough come, when we see our bills paid, when we see um, uh, an answer to prayer, when, we, wit- when we, we sit around the dinner table and we recognize if it wasn't for the Lord who was on my side, that my family is here today. Amen? We have reason to rejoice. We have reason to shout. Psalms 48, 2. Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion, talking about heaven, on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Psalms 51, 8. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Psalms 51, 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me in your generous spirit. There are those of us here today that need to be restored in the joy of his salvation, in the joy of the goodness of God. Psalm 66, 11, or 66, 1, make a joyful noise, or make a joyful shout to God all the earth. The Bible says there's coming a day that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It will not just be a prayer, but it will be a shout of praise that will go up to the heavenlies. Amen? Psalms 89, 15. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. Have you heard the sound of joy? Do you know what that sound sounds like? It's different from any other sound you'll ever hear. It's the difference, it's, it's different from any, from, from the shout from a touchdown being made or a basket being made or, or an award given. It is, it is a shout that resonates all throughout heaven. Amen? It's a, it's, a, it's a shout that resonates. Every time a believer comes to Christ, the Bible says that all the angels rejoice at one person who comes to God. Amen? John 15, 11, jump to the New Testament. Jesus says this, these things I have spoken to you, talking about his teachings, his commands. He's like, I've spoken these things to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. He's saying every time you pick up the word and every time you read it, every time you read the letters in red talking about Jesus' sayings, when you read those things, when you read the stories about him, it, he, says, I'm, he says, I'm giving them to you that the joy may not only remain in you, something constant, something daily, but that it may be full to overflowing. We as the people of God, we should be the most joyful, exuberant, happy, excited people on planet Earth. I read, it this, I read this just, and, and I'll refer to it at the end again, but I was just reading a book about another subject, and, and, and the comment was made, the world needs, the world does not need our sadness, it needs our joy. Amen? It doesn't need our sadness, 
It needs our joy. They're looking at you, and they're facing the same circumstances you're facing, and they're saying, how are you going to react to it? How are you going to respond to it? But if you react no differently than what the world reacts, then why would they want what we have? Then why would they want to listen to our message? Then why would they want to answer our invitation to pray or to church or to to, to whatever, to, to hear about Jesus Christ. If we do not have the joy that remains and the joy that is full and overflowing, then what do we have to offer this world? What do we have to offer those that we have been given influence with? Jesus says here, I want your joy to remain and I want your joy to be full. Full and overflowing. Amen? And so... In this, my third point, true joy unites people who would never otherwise come together. In this story, in Luke chapter 2, in this story, the Bible tells us that there were shepherds that were watching their sheep by night. And as they were out in the fields watching, watching their sheep, the, these shepherds, they were, they were considered kind of the low end of the totem when it comes to society, occupation, you know, because anybody can stand there and watch a sheep, right? They were, they were dirty. Why? Because they were out in the fields all the time. They were, they were alone. They were, in, in some measure, they were outcasts. Uh, it's like being a pig farmer in Jerusalem, you know. Uh, you're, you're, you know, you, you deal with the pigs, but we don't eat pigs. You know, you're the, you're the outcast. They were isolated. There are a lot of people, even in the body of Christ, that are alone, afraid, isolated. These shepherds represent many who are in the body of Christ. They were out in the field by night, and, the, and all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and he said, don't be afraid, but I bring you good tiding, glad tidings of good news. There is tonight, born in the town of Bethlehem, the city of David, a Savior, the Christ, the Lord. And so, the, he, and, and so when the, and he made that announcement, all of a sudden, all of heaven, the, angel, the, the angelic choir showed up, made their appearance over that starry night in that open field, out and away from, uh, from, from uh, the city. And these shepherds were the first to hear the good news of Jesus. I'm here to tell you this morning that there is good news for you. There's good news for everyone uh, they may have been outcasts, but they were, getting, they, were, they were about to be brought into the fold. Jesus came in the form of a baby. If you remember, before that, or before that event of his birth, Martha, uh, Mary and Joseph were coming, uh, and they were trying to find a place. And, 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 I, and, and as I began to do a word study on the, the word in, we think of it as a modern-day hotel, motel, you know, uh, it, it's kind of like the lower end of a Hilton, let's say. They, what an what a, what a inn really was, the root word of it is, is called caravanas, caravansary. It was for people who were coming in on caravans, and it was basically like a modern-day campground. It wasn't necessarily hotel rooms as it was like a walled area and that for safety reasons, whether it was from wildlife or from other people, it was like they would come into this gated area and set up their camp within the inn. And so because there was no room in the inn, 
He would, they, they, they lodged in a stable somewhere. They said, well, you can go, go to that stable or that cave over there. And in that cave, there was a manger, which is also called a feeding trough. And that's where they would place Jesus in, 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 in uh, wraps of cloth. And the, and the shepherds were told, you will, go find, you will find him and recognize him by this sign. And so in my mind, I thought to myself, it was good that he did not have room in the inn. Because the shepherds could not have gotten to him so easily, if at all, since there was no room. But the fact that he was out in an open place, the fact that he was sleeping under the stars, just like the shepherds were, the shepherds had access to him. They could come find him easily. I'm here to tell you today, God does not make it difficult to find him. He gives us the signs he, he, gave them, he gave them the sign. You'll see a star. You'll see a, a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. The parent, mom and dad is right there. That is the Christ. That's the Messiah. God makes it easy to access him. You don't have to fight through crowds of people or through, go, go through uh, locked gates to get to Jesus. But the, he is accessible. He is near. And so he was born in a stable versus an inn. He was accessible. The shepherds were invited to come. No one was excluded. Isolation became celebration in the light of the good news. Isolation became celebration in the light of the good news. So what is the formula for joy? Their joy was rooted in Jesus. When they saw him, that became the, f- the foundation of their joy, not their jobs, not their occupation, not their circumstances. So what's the formula for joy? We have, to make, we have to make room for joy. We have to make a margin for it. Number one, we need to turn down or reject self-pity. Is it up here? We have to, re- we have to turn down or reject self-pity, fear, uh, dis, you know, discouragement in that way, and we need to turn up encouragement. The Bible says it's the love of God that drives out all fear. Even as a Christian, and I was guilty of this for many, many years, even as a Christian, we could approach God in fear, but not godly fear, but rather self-pity. Oh God, if I'm good enough, oh God, if it's your will, Oh God, uh, if I've jumped through enough hoops, then you'll love me. If I've, if I've obeyed you in every point, then you'll love me. Remember this, God loved you even before you ever knew him. He loved you before you ever, ever made a decision to follow after him. So often people operate in self-pity. We need to reject that and accept encouragement. Accept the encouragement of Jesus Christ. You know, I've heard it said this way, whatever you look, whatever you need is what you should give away. But Pastor Terry, I don't have any friends. The Bible says to have friends, you've got to be friendly. But Pastor Terry, no one ever takes me out to lunch. Well, why don't you take somebody out to lunch? Pastor Terry, no one ever washes my car. No one ever wraps my gifts. No one ever makes me dinner, then why don't you begin to do in kind the same thing? Even this Saturday is a great opportunity coming up this Saturday afternoon. For two hours, show up and be a blessing to somebody. Show the love of God to somebody. Say, I'm wrapping these gifts 
because of Jesus, because he is my joy, he is my comfort, he is my peace, amen? We need to turn down fear and turn up trust. We need to turn down distractions and turn up relationships. My wife, do you wanna preach on this one, dear? You know, put away the social medias for a bit. I got a rousing applause. Turn off the TV. Turn up relationships. Turn up FaceTime. I'm not talking about Apple FaceTime. I'm talking about FaceTime. One with another. Go out to lunch, have dinner, play a card game, whatever it takes. Turn up relationships. Turn down getting and turn up receiving. What'd I say? Turn down getting and turn up giving. One of my kids told me one time, they said, Dad, I figured out one of my five love languages is receiving gifts. <laughs> Not giving gifts, but receiving gifts. So turn up getting, turn down getting, turn up giving, sorry. Acts 20 says, it is better to give than it is to receive. So what do you really want for Christmas? Do you want a family that's happy? Do you want a life full of joy? You have to make room to turn up joy and celebrate his goodness to find in the redemption. No thing can make you happy. It is the person of Jesus. Romans 14, 7 says it this way. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It ought to be something that is happening naturally. You don't have to force joy. It's like we talk about unity of spirit. And we think of it as being a group of people standing in a circle holding hands singing kumbaya. We think somehow that is unity. No, the spirit of unity is already there. It's a matter of whether we will allow the Holy Spirit freedom to produce unity. Or the Holy Spirit to have freedom to produce the joy. It's not something you pray down or pray for. You say, Lord, I want to turn down things. I want to create margins. I want to, I want to stop doing certain things that are, that are hindering the joy of the Lord from ruling and reigning in my life. Philippians 1.3 says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the very first day until now. Philippians 2 says, Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if there's any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy, talking about being unified, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, 
being in one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. We need to turn down selfishness, turn up our giving. Turn down fear, turn up trust. 1 Thessalonians 1.5, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake, and you became followers of us and the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter what you're going through, it doesn't matter what circumstance, what affliction you may be suffering from, there is always that ever-abiding joy of the Holy Spirit. That thing that is constant, that thing that, that, never, that, that should never go away, that no matter what phone call you receive or what letter in the mail you get or what email or, or what encounter you have with, an, with, a, with, a, with a rude person possibly that day, someone else who's hurting, no matter what it is, we are to have joy in the Holy Spirit. Can you say yes? 1 Thessalonians 2.19 says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of the Lord Jesus at his coming? The ultimate joy we have is that we're going to see Jesus face to face. I think it's Thessalonians that says, It is that, is that, is that, is that joy that's set before us that, keep, that keeps us, that preserves us, that, that, that ags us on in times of temptation, in times of, 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 uh, of, of circumstances, to see it the way God sees it, to walk joyfully through every circumstance. Lastly, the world, I, I say this again, the world does not need your sadness, it needs your joy. 